G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. 2020, bringing a biblical perspective on life, culture and current events. Weekdays on UCB's Vision Radio Network. Find out more at vision.org.au. Good to have you along with us. It is the Tuesday edition of 2020 and some big things happening around the nation. And if you're in Victoria, nothing bigger, I guess, happening of importance, which might uh, determine the direction of your state uh, into the coming years. Of course, the Victorian state election that's coming this weekend. Voters will be off to the polls on Saturday to determine who will govern Victoria. Well, we want to take an opportunity to talk through some of the issues Issues that Victorian voters will be voting on this weekend and in order to do so we'll introduce some of our commentators from some of the organisations you'll hear from regularly here on the Vision Radio Network talking about Family Voice Australia and the Australian Christian Lobby as well as Salt Shakers. Well to kick off uh, some commentary on what's been happening and what is likely to happen on Saturday let's hear from the first of our guests this hour, Ros Phillips from Family Voice Australia joining us. Hello, Roz. Welcome to 2020. Hello, Neil. It's good to be with you. Roz, always good talking to you. And because there's always an incredible depth in the sorts of things that you're able to get your head around when it comes to elections, because for the past 40 years, that's right, 40 years, Family Voice Australia has been doing election surveys in the lead up to key elections around the nation. And this is something that you haven't slipped up on again this time. This is uh, uh, something you've been paying great attention to what have your overall findings been with the, your election surveys this time for the Victorian election? Well, Neil, um, I'm still trying to get my head around. <laughs> it's complicated, isn't it? It is very complicated. There are so many different <clears throat> parties standing for election because, as you know, with our federal election in the Senate, um, the minor parties can game the system and do all sorts of private preference deals. And people like to vote one in a box above the line, but they often have no idea where that vote will really end up. So I've been trying to work it all out for them. And uh, as I said, my head is still spinning. Uh, The other thing is that uh, we've sent our 10 questions. We normally have 10 that we send to all candidates. And we're getting replies but sadly none from the Labor Party. This is becoming a regular feature of the Labor Party, isn't it? They're yes. not replying to Christian surveys. They're not. They're, it's really a, an arrogant position. It's saying, you know, we don't want you to know what we really believe before you vote. Uh, just vote for us anyway. And uh, sadly, there are some in other parties who take the same view. We have had a party reply from the Liberals... But one senior Liberal replied to us with a very polite letter, I must say, saying he's decided not to reply to any surveys because he really doesn't work out how he's going to vote on any particular issue until um, it actually comes before him on the day. And I thought, how incredible. (laughs) (laughs) He's really asking us to give him a blank cheque and if he feels good on the day, he'll vote this way and maybe if he doesn't feel so good, he'll vote another way. 
which is not how Parliament is supposed to work. Issues of integrity here, because mm. uh, you might assume that candidates and parties might like the electorate to know what they believe before the vote is cast. What, what, when you talk about arrogance here, what it appears to be is that uh, candidates and, and even entire parties, they just don't want the electorate to know how they're going to be voting or how they're going to be proceeding with policy and legislation on a whole bunch of these areas. That's right. And uh, some of the uh, candidates are telling us privately that they've been ordered not to reply, Mm. that uh, there's a party reply and they've got to stick to that. Or, in the case of the Labor Party, uh, no party reply and they may not talk to us. Mm. It's very sad. Well, we score the candidates in our survey because we think that's a a simple way of giving people a general idea of where people stand. We actually give them two whole points out of ten if they tell us they strongly disagree with us because we think that at least they're being honest and they're telling us where they stand. So if they say no comment, we don't want to uh, say anything about it. We give them less than two, we give them one. And if they don't reply at all, we give them zero. So sadly, Labor gets zero. But the Greens, whose policies generally are, from our point of view, more anti-family and anti-life than even many Labor candidates, uh, they have replied and they scored 25. OK, now we won't have time to go through each one of the questions on your questionnaire, and so I'll point people to your website where they can get a, a good overview of the way that this survey uh, presents itself. You can go to www.fava.org.au and you can check out the election survey there for the Victorian election. But, Ros, out of the questions that you asked, which ones of those are burning issues in your mind that, uh, that perhaps Christian voters uh, in Victoria and for those who are listening around the country would be very interested in uh, seeing where p- parties stand on various issues? W- which ones are outstanding to you? Well, there are a number of burning issues. One is on uh, the anti-bullying program that's been going on in Victorian, some Victorian schools for the past four years. It's called the Safe Schools Coalition, Victoria. Uh, Many parents are concerned about that because it's really not about making schools generally safe for all students. It's only focusing on students who have same-sex attractions or transgender feelings. It doesn't talk about the main reasons for bullying at all. And the reason, uh, the way it's going about trying to make schools safe for students who may have same-sex attractions is to say that homosexuality is normal. And in fact, in some schools, they were advised if they weren't sure whether they were homosexual, they should try it. And many parents have been quite alarmed by this approach. And for transgender students who are still confused, in fact, Um, A paediatrician in Adelaide told me that in his practice he sees a number of students with this, or children with this kind of problem and most of them grow out of it. To tell them to reinforce, you know, that you might feel as if you're a boy um, and you're really a girl, um, just to tell them, okay, start wearing boys' clothes, use the boys' toilet, play the boys' sports, that's really not helping them. And he said the students who don't grow out of it generally in his uh, experience, are suffering from some kind of psychological or psychiatric disorder. And this needs treatment, not uh, reinforcement. He said it's a bit like anorexic 
uh, children who really are very thin, but they see themselves as fat. And you don't help them by saying, okay, keep on doing what you're doing. You try and help them. Okay, let's move on. There's so many issues to talk about here, Roz. Uh, I know one of the ones that you are also concerned about is uh, the idea of uh, of drug use. Yep. Uh, who's promoting what? Uh, of course, this whole issue of medical marijuana is on the agenda. What are your thoughts and uh, what have your surveys shown? Well, um, the surveys really show along party lines that uh, parties don't want to address the issue. Uh for many a too hard basket oh, sort of it's thing? it's too hard. They've, for many years, they've followed the what's called the harm minimisation line, that if you're addicted to a drug, we'll provide you with safe quantities of that drug and keep you addicted effectively, which isn't really helping. Uh, heroin addicts are given methadone, which is certainly not as harmful as heroin, but it still has its problems, and it would be far more effective, in our view, if those people were helped to get off the drug entirely and to live drug-free lives. And that's the Swedish approach, but it's not happening here. And with medical marijuana, this is a big concern because it's uh, really taken over in nearly half the states in the USA after huge amounts of money were spent by, effectively, the marijuana industry to persuade people that this is a good thing and to vote for it in referendums. And what's happened in states that have medical marijuana over there is that many people are getting hold of so-called medical marijuana, saying they've got, you know, a, a pain or something like that, and they become addicted. And children are becoming addicted. And this is the most dangerous time of life hmm. to regularly take marijuana. It can destroy their future. Uh, what has your survey shown about party positions on this particular issue or well, with well, generally Greens, harm minimisation? Yes, well, the Greens absolutely disagree with us. So they're upfront. We know that if you vote for the Greens, you're voting for more harm minimisation and we believe quite dangerous policies. Labor, of course, didn't reply at all, but we believe they're similar to the Greens. Liberals simply have said... Uh, this is not relevant. This is a national policy. But the Victorian government has to implement that policy. So with the Liberals, it's a bit of a cop-out. And the other two parties appear to be directly opposed to our view. OK, let's move on. The biggie uh, in so many people's minds is this uh, idea of religious freedom and mm. freedom of association. This is something, too, you've been surveying. Yes, indeed. Uh, we are very concerned that only the other day uh, the Labor Party came out publicly and said if we're elected, and sadly the polls suggest that that may be the case, uh, we will reintroduce a law that we had before that says Christian schools and other religious groups cannot employ staff according to their own religious beliefs and behaviours unless that uh, belief is an inherent requirement of the position. And what they mean by that is if you've got a Christian school uh, and you've got a chaplain or somebody like that teaching religious studies, yes, you can require that person to be a Christian like you are. But math teachers, science teachers, uh, school gardeners, school receptionists, no, you'd have to employ um, somebody who may be another faith, um, 
may have no faith at all, may be openly flouting your values. Um, all of those things, this Labor government would want to uh, make sure that Christian schools could no longer be in all their staff openly Christian with values and behaviour as well. So that is the Labor position. What's and the, the Greens, and the, the Greens? Greens. What's the what's the Liberal and National position on that? Uh, well, on that they're very issue. much on side with us. They agree that Christian schools should be able to appoint Christians. The incredible hypocrisy is that I'm sure the Labor leader, Daniel Andrews, if he becomes Premier, he would want to appoint to his own personal staff only Labor supporters. And wouldn't you agree that that's reasonable? He wouldn't be forced to employ a Liberal supporter or somebody from Family First. He would want only Labor people on his staff. And yet he's saying to Christian groups, we don't want you to be allowed to have Christians on your staff. Hmm. Something hypocritical in that particular stance. Uh, Roz, stay with us, uh, but I want to introduce into our conversation now Dan Flynn, who's the Victorian State Director for the Australian Christian Lobby. Hello, Dan. Welcome along to 2020. Thanks very much, Neil, and hello, Roz. Hello, Dan. Dan, uh, we've been talking about the uh, survey, the election survey that uh, Rise's organisation, Family Voice Australia, has been running. Uh, you guys are running a whole different dimension of uh, the way that Christians influence the processes here when it comes to politics. I wonder if you can just fill us in on how the candidates' forums have gone in the lead-up to this Victorian election. Uh, Neil, um, it's uh, it's been a lot of fun. We've been out and... Uh We've done 14 out of 16 forums, and um, you know, there's, there's been a team of us uh, conducting these forums. Um, and look, they've, they've been they've been very good with uh, you know questions and, and just you know listening to the discussion there. Uh, you know, questions of equal opportunity, questions of uh, the doctor's conscience uh, in the abortion issue have come up, and um, so that's been it's been a good discussion, and it's. it's uh, uh, I think it's been a good way to, uh, in a sense, um, work out where individual candidates stand, um, and um, commonly what um, uh, what we're hearing is that there are a lot of candidates who are very concerned about the doctor's conscience issue, a doctor not being able to refer, and there are a number of candidates saying they're concerned about late-term abortion, um, and uh, in some ways that. Um, uh, you know, these sorts of statements are, um, I suppose, in some sense, they're reluctantly offered because we, we have, Neil, a sort of a unfortunate orthodoxy that it's very difficult for someone seeking election to actually talk about abortion. Uh, it's um, almost a no-go zone. In a forum, you you never get a question on abortion. You, you say, OK, what is your opinion as a candidate on abortion? And I'll tell you what, there's no rush to pick up the microphone off the table because they know it's... Um, uh, it can be used against them, and I think uh, one of the um, the things I've been concerned about most in these forums is just uh, how difficult it is for the candidates to talk about their own beliefs about that, uh, and how there's a very strong um, environment that clamps down on discussion about life issues. And if we can't talk about it, uh, we're not going to help unborn babies. That's 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 a big problem I see. 
Dan, I saw at least one article that showed there was real controversy at one of your candidate forums where one uh, candidate decided to change the flow of their preferences because a Liberal candidate stood up and and uh, indicated that they were more prone to go with a pro-life stance on the abortion issue and so therefore uh, there was a little upset. Have you heard of uh, many of those sorts of controversies that have come out of any of the other forums? Uh, no, no, I haven't, but... Uh that that example um, is a is a disturbing one, um, and I don't know what's at the bottom of it, but I can uh, I can say this uh, that the particular candidate who is uh, creating the kerfuffle, um, uh, it's a National Party candidate against a Labor, sorry against a Liberal candidate, uh, she herself was extremely pro-life in her response, uh, so I was completely puzzled when a couple of days later I saw an article saying that she couldn't preference a Liberal candidate uh, because of his pro-life position. It made no sense to me at all. Ros Phillips, uh, on this particular pro-life issue, this issue of abortion, what did your surveys show about the parties who will be standing for election on Saturday? Well, one thing I haven't mentioned is that there are four pro-family parties, um, Australian Christians, Rise Up Australia, Family First and... Uh, the Democratic Labor Party, and uh, they they are generally safe to vote for <laughs> in your one above the line. But uh, the other parties, as Dan has indicated on this issue, they really don't want to say. They uh, it, it it's causing them uh, well. The ones who are pro-life, as Dan has indicated, feel that they'll be at risk of being. Uh, attacked if they say they're pro-life, attacked by the feminist lobby and others, and uh, those who are not really just don't want to mention it either. So it's very hard to see where people stand. Well, especially on this issue of abortion, where Victoria is renowned to have the worst abortion laws in the world, uh, let oh, me ask Tasmania you... has taken that prize, I'm afraid. Oh, really? Okay. Yes. <laughs> All right, well... Okay, well, uh, Victoria, second uh, on this particular uh, agenda item. Uh, Dan Flynn, let me ask you though, uh, when it comes to these abortion issues, uh, I mean, this is a, a, a this is a pro-life position that typically people say is the Christian position. You don't have to be Christian to be pro-life, uh, but there is a sense that the way that uh, the uh, the argument uh, begins to build, and uh, there is certainly a, a groundswell that is moving against this whole sort of abortion issue, and there must be something that, that candidates can, uh, can at least be afraid of by the way of a Christian constituency voting on a pro-life agenda here. Uh, what's your thoughts on the, the growing Christian uh, pro-life uh, constituency? Look, I think it is strong, um, and I think it's, it's it's more to do with science. Well, it's probably as much to do with science as it is to do with faith. Um, and, you know, I don't think... I, th- I think basic science would uh, accept that uh, a child uh, in a womb is a, is a living person. But it's a political debate about, you know, whether a mother ought to have the right to, uh, you know, basically get rid of that baby. Um, and, you know, to say it's a matter between the, the, the woman and the doctor all sounds very... Uh, you know, warm and, and pastoral, but the, the reality is that it's uh, a euphemism. Um, now, the reality is I think that um, there could well be a lot of young uh, pro-life candidates elected uh, this time around, uh, both in the lower house and the upper house. 
<clears throat> and uh, you know, I think it's fair to say that um, uh, the parties that Ros um, refers to, the life parties, the four life parties, uh, who describe themselves in that way, um, and that's um, Australian Christians, Family First, uh, Rise Up Australia, and DLP. I think they would all describe themselves as life parties. They're very um, thoughtful about how they preference. And, um, uh, for example, in the eastern metropolitan region, instead of uh, preferencing straight, you know, the the way that the Liberals would be in their in their ranking or pecking order, uh, they're they're uh, going to um, allocate their votes differently to whom they think is the most pro-life. Uh, liberal candidate there. So um, I think that, um, yeah, these, these parties uh, could be very effective. And look, there was, not, there was articles and discussion recently that there may in fact be in the upper house um, a, a bit of a, a life or a pro-life block. Uh, potentially there could be a family first uh, upper house member. There could be an Australian Christians upper house member. And that's going to affect the dynamic. Right around Australia, you're on the Vision Radio Network. It's Neil with you on 2020. Dan Flynn from the Australian Christian Lobby. He's the Victorian State Director. And Ros Phillips from Family Voice Australia with us today here on 2020 talking about the Victorian election that's coming up. Let's talk about the four faith-based parties, the Australian Christians, Rise Up Australia, the DLP, the Democratic Labor Party, and Family First. Uh, Ros, if I ask you about those four parties, in the surveys that you've run, how did they rate with the sorts of issues that you were raising? Well, three of them rated extremely well. They got a perfect score. That's Australian Christians, uh, Family First, and Rise Up Australia. We are still waiting for the official reply from the DLP. We've been ringing them every day last week and been told that the survey would arrive the next day, but it hasn't. But uh, we know from other things they've said that they are generally supportive. So I'll include them and just assume that they're completely overwhelmed by last-minute election pressures. Okay, Dan, uh, your thoughts on the DLP, from what you know of the DLP, uh, where they would sort of sit in the spectrum of uh, where you've got uh, faith-based parties and in comparison to uh, to others like the Liberals and the Nationals? Well, I think that um, the DLP, I'm not so sure they consider themselves faith-based, but they consider themselves a life party, whereas Family First, Australian Christians and Rise Up Australia um, would argue that they're, they're, uh, you know, they're faith-based. Uh, but they all have a common position on life, the value of life, and um, uh, you know that's that's been expressed in the in the federal parliament certainly by Senator Madigan when he was with the DLP. Uh, so look, um, uh, the, in, in my view, they're all good value, um, but it, but it, uh, you know, we shouldn't lose in that that there are many excellent uh, pro-life um, Labor people, Labor candidates, uh, and there are many excellent Liberal. Uh, candidates as well. So, um, yeah, I think that that's all important to consider that as well. So if you were trying to identify uh, which candidates were pro-life, if that was a big issue for you, is there a way that your survey can point to uh, any individual candidates, Ros Phillips, uh, uh, or is it not quite so focused? Well, the problem is that people, as we've said before, are afraid to put their real views in public surveys. 
So there are groups uh, that have prepared a list of pro-life candidates and uh, we may well be making that list available on our website as well. But as I said before, um, if you vote for a pro-life party such as Australian Christians or um, Family First, Rise Up Australia and vote for one in the box above the line in the upper house for that party, they may not be elected. But if you vote number one for them, you can trust their preferencing to not only go to uh, the major party that is safer, but to the people in the major party that are more pro-life. They have picked out the ones in the Liberal and the Labor who are more pro-life and put them ahead of those who are anti-life. So some of the work is done for you. Indeed. And so most people, sadly, will vote one in the box above the line rather than numbering all 52 below the line. Uh, And sometimes that's not safe. For example, with the Palmer United Party, there are some good candidates there, one who scored 100 in our survey. But he admitted to me that most other Palmer United Party candidates don't share his views And if you vote for him by one above the line, sadly, you'll end up voting for the Greens. And people don't realise that sometimes where they're one above the line will end up. And uh, I'm in the process of going through all the voting tickets to find out where these votes end up so that we can send an email to our supporters and let them know what's safe to vote number one above the line and what's not. Dan Flynn, three out of those four Christian parties have formed an alliance. Can you give me your impressions as to how that alliance might work and is it a good thing? Look, it's an excellent thing, Neil. Um, At the federal election, uh, it was extremely alarming that uh, those who voted for um, some of those parties um, actually ended up electing um, uh, the Motoring Enthusiast Party uh, senator. Now, I've got, I've got nothing against the senator and um, uh, wish him every success, uh, but uh, in terms of representative democracy, he got such a small percentage of the vote compared to any of the parties that we're speaking about. It's um, uh, It was um, a statistical aberration that he was elected. Um, you know, again, I, I've uh, got nothing against him as a senator, but um, what was a great concern, I think, for the Christian voters was uh, that they voted <clears throat> for some of the parties that we're mentioning and and they ended up electing um, the Motoring Enthusiast Party candidate, which was the furthest thing from their mind. So, um, and, it, and following the election, the federal election, I spoke to uh, all four of those parties uh, uh, in an endeavour to get them to agree to preference each other ahead of the state election. Um, and um, uh, I found that a very difficult project, and uh, it was um, a project that, frankly, I, I just I did not complete. I couldn't get the um, level of harmony I wanted. But um, having left that project, and then uh, having been pleased uh, to see three or, three out of four of those parties uh, come up with that pact that they would preference each other, was a really heartening development. So that uh, if a voter votes for one of those parties. Uh, they know that the vote will at least be shared among uh, Christian parties rather than to dissipate uh, to somebody like, um, you know, the, the you know the marijuana party um, uh, or some very obscure party. The rock and roll party. 
the rock and roll party, absolutely. There's such a party, Ros. Um, yes, well, very, that's, 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 a, that's a risk. Mm. Okay, we're going to say farewell to Ros Phillips, but I'll point you to the Family Voice Australia website. It's www.fava.org.au where you can check out the uh, survey that was yes. put to the parties. Uh, Ros, you uh, click on the survey, the Victorian election, on the menu on the right-hand side. So you look on the, the menu going down the right-hand side of the home page and just click on the words Victorian Election 2014. That's great. And, uh, Ros, always uh, really appreciate your insights, uh, a depth of uh, understanding, not only uh, as a, a Christian woman, but uh, also the 40 years that, uh, that Family Voice Australia has been running these election surveys. Uh, great to get your insights, and thanks so much for being with us today on 2020. Thank you very much, Neil. It's Neil with you on 2020 and Victorians off to the polls this weekend. But the eyes of the whole nation are on the things that are unfolding in Victoria, some of the huge issues that voters will be voting uh, about when they uh, when they cast their ballot uh, on the uh, in the election uh, booths on Saturday. Dan Flynn, we've been talking about some of the big moral issues. Uh, just quickly, uh, on the economic issues in the state, uh, is there any any particular side that is streaming ahead on uh, on economic issues? Look, I suppose it's economic and infrastructure, and that is the east-west link. So uh, for those not that familiar with Melbourne, it's a tunnel that goes basically under the northern end of the CBD, linking the eastern suburbs to the, uh, the Tullamarine Airport freeway. And um, uh, in surveys, uh, there's been an indication that, look, six out of ten people think that should go ahead. That tunnel would take, you know, probably ten years to build. Um, and uh, so even, even though uh, the polls are indicating that Labor will win this, a contrary indication is that six out of ten people support the tunnel that, uh, according to the party's policies, only the Liberals will build. So that's, that's a sort of an economic infrastructure issue that that is really uh, front and centre of this campaign. The mood of the electorate, Uh, Dan, is there a particular mood either way? I mean, I've heard a a couple of times people anticipating that Labor will win. Is that the general mood? What's what's your feeling? Look, I'm actually sensing um, a fair bit of, uh, I think, disengagement across the community about the election. Um, The young people, I think, are very... um, uh, you know, not so caught up in this, um, uh, and you know, we see certainly uh, you know, more senior people, more senior Christians, really um, you know, getting onto the issues. But uh, I'm not sure it's really jumping the next generation. So uh, that level of disengagement concerns me, um, and um, just some like the, somehow I don't think the politicians are really connecting well with a lot of people. I want to introduce into our conversation Jenny Stokes from Salt Shakers, uh, also based in Victoria. Jenny, you're in Melbourne. Welcome along. Hi, Neil. Good to be with you. Jenny, you've just been talking about mood. Uh, what's your sense, uh, the mood in the electorate, uh, from the monitoring that you've been doing? 
Well, I think we often hear what the media want us to hear in a lot of these things. So it sometimes depends on uh, which particular media you might be listening to, whether it's uh, you know radio, television or reading newspapers, and you'll get often what a particular group will want you to get. So there's, there's a fair bit of influence, I think, of the media. I think opinion polls are often that they often say, as I think Dennis Napstein said the other day, the only poll that counts is the one on election day. And opinion polls can be, you know, depending on how, how the question is, or I know it's all random and they, they ask a thousand people or whatever, but really that's, you know, an indicative sort of thing. I guess with our work with Christians, we see uh, a lot of Christians that are on, in, in our networks are actually really quite concerned about a whole range of issues that particularly the parties on the left are doing. Um, there's been some concern that there hasn't been any move on like the Abortion Law Reform Act by the Liberals. But, you know, they have repealed things like the employment provisions, religious freedom, you know, for Christian schools and religious bodies uh, to have to prove why should they should have a Christian. And it was always an irony to us that, um, of course, the political parties have an exemption. They don't have to employ somebody who's um, of the opposite political party. But so we've seen some of those issues. And, and certainly, you know, you look at those and it becomes much clearer as to which parties are going to do it. And, uh, you know, a whole range of things that uh, Daniel Andrews of the Labor Party has put forward on the homosexual rights issue. And, uh, you know, it reads like a wish list for the homosexual community. Well, it, there's so much to talk about, uh, as we can hear. Let me just come back to this uh, very, very big issue of religious freedom. Uh, Dan Flynn, and as Jenny Stokes has just said, it depends on how the media presents these things. Has there been much coverage of this issue in the mainstream media? I know we've been talking about it, but, but has everyone else been talking about it? Uh, look, no, no. Um Unfortunately, and, and uh, you know, the certainly Salt Shakers, ourselves, Family Voice, the Christian school organisations have been raising awareness on this. Uh, but I don't think that we have uh, yet successfully punched through uh, into mainstream media. Um, and, you know, one wonders why, uh, particularly when late last week uh, all of the, um, uh, or most of the heads of churches, including archbishops, uh, Freer uh, from the Anglican denomination, Archbishop Hart from uh, the Catholic denomination, three other bishops and the Baptist denomination all agreed that the Equal Opportunity Law should remain as they are. There was a press issue, a press release issued, uh, but it has not broken through in the mainstream media. So uh, somehow um, uh, the, the story is not getting out. But Neil, what my hope is that after the election, uh, then, and there's a surprise uh, uh, here in some way. It may be that Daniel Andrews changes his policy uh, and, uh, or it may be that a party is elected that upholds religious freedom if Daniel Andrews doesn't change his policy. The narrative might be, look, there was, there was under the surface, there was a massive uh, surge of, uh, of Christian activity, of activity from those who believed in freedom of association that actually... Uh, had a big impact on the result. That might be the narrative after the event. Well, it seems to me the only way that could happen is if Christian voters who were voting not just with a, an opinion that they might be influenced in the media but with some conviction because of their uh, Christian faith were actually voting uh, for a, a Christian party. We're talking about the Australian Christians and Rise Up Australia, the DLP, Family First. Uh, Jenny Stokes, I know you're encouraging people to uh, to put a one in those boxes and, uh, and uh, choose a Christian party. 
Well, that's right, Neil. And, and there is a number of reasons. A lot of people often think that their vote is wasted. I've had people say this to me at polling booths before. Their vote is wasted if they vote for a small party because they think, well, it just goes nowhere because they're not going to get in. Um, the first thing is that they could actually get in if enough people actually put a one in their box, uh, whether that's you know certainly in the Legislative Council with the, the flow of preferences that, that happens there. Um, secondly, uh, you can actually send a message to the major parties that you're not that happy with them and you'll actually preference first the, uh, a smaller party with your preferences then flowing on to a major party. And the third thing that we've actually suggested there and, and it's important to, to think through it, is that for every party that gets more than 4% of the vote, they actually get $1.64 for every vote they get, both in the Legislative Assembly and the Legislative Council. And in the last election, that meant that in Victoria, the Liberal Party got more than $3 million, as, as did Labor, and the Greens got more than a $1 million just um, as a result of obtaining votes at the election. So at least you can stop the major parties getting quite so much money from the taxpayer. And if you did get 4% for the Christian parties, then you could ensure that there was a few dollars there that were going to keep them afloat. Well, that's right, and that certainly helps with that. Most of them really struggle at the time of election. Everything's done on a voluntary basis. They're, they're struggling with, you know, the whole party's being run by volunteers and, and no money for any sort of um, establishing a, a party. So, yes, some, some dollars in their pocket would actually help them. Dan Flynn, I guess you're not a spokesman for these Christian political parties, but from your knowledge, do they have enough volunteers? Is there enough support that's coming? Do their memberships look like they're flourishing? What sort of state are these Christian parties in? Look, it's very difficult to say, but I do understand that they are looking for volunteers um, you know, to man booths um, and uh, they don't have the natural uh, source the ALP or the Liberal does to, to call on people. Uh, so, uh, for example... Um, and Jenny may know this better than myself, but you know, I'm not sure how many booths there'd be in each electorate, but there'd probably be potentially you know, 10, and uh, they've got to be you know, manned all day. So it needs a lot of people, and some of these candidates can only really cover, say, three or four booths. So that, that's an issue. Um, look, the other thing is, Neil, is that the Liberal Party uh, has been very clear about this issue of religious freedom. They've been uh, articulating a position that they 100% uh, support uh, religious organisations' uh, capacity to employ according to their faith and practice. Uh, so um, that, that position is as strong there on that issue as it is with the, uh, the, the four you know, life parties or, um, you know, sort of overtly Christian parties. So, yeah, just, I would just make that point. Yep, that's good. And we'll continue our conversation in just a few moments. Uh, another one of those uh, surveys and checklists to talk about in just a few moments. We've been talking about the election survey that's been run by Family Voice Australia. We'll talk also about the Australian Christian Values Checklist and how you can check that one out in just a few moments. Our guest, Dan Flynn, who's the Victorian State Director for the Australian Christian Lobby. Jenny Stokes from Salt Shake is also with us. We'll come back and talk some more in just a few moments. Jenny, let me ask you about the survey form that we've talked about before, the Australian Christian Values Checklist. Uh, how important is it for people who are just a little unsure about how they're voting? They're a Christian, but they're not sure uh, how they can actually get some more detail about a, a party that they ought to be supporting. 
Well, the reason the, the Christian Values Checklist has been running for a number of years and it's done for each election, both federal and state, um, is it covers a range of a range of issues in a ticks and crosses red and green format. So if you've got green ticks, that's that's a good response um, in our view, and a red cross is a bad response. Um, things like Christian prayer. So some of the issues that Family Voice do, um, what we do is we assess the party's policies rather than ask them for their interpretation of that. So on some of some of the issues. Um, for instance, you know, reject state-based same-sex marriage law. We've got uh, adoption by same-sex couples. So we've got uh, uh, the Liberals recently um, asked one of the MPs to do a like a survey of the research. So they sort of were at least prepared to go a little bit in that direction to look at it. But still, we say that they wouldn't probably bring that in themselves. But Labor has got a definite policy that they want to actually allow same-sex adoption, and uh, and so they get a red cross for that. So we've looked at the party positions on a range of issues so whether that's homosexuality um, euthanasia abortion and and in that it's you know restore the freedom of conscience for doctors and nurses concerning abortion and uh, all of the smaller christian parties say yes they would definitely do that uh, the national and liberal party uh, dennis napstein the premier has said well there won't be any changes to the abortion law and yet this particular idea of freedom of conscience where doctors are required to refer to someone uh, the the person to another doctor they know will perform an abortion, we say violates the conscience of the doctor. And that's actually supported by the AMA, the Australian Medical Association. So, you know, that's one that we, we believe should be put up. And uh, and yet, you know, certainly that, that went through during the actual law and we, we would like to see that repealed. So just assessing where the parties are and, and a little comment on each one that explains why the positions have been allocated. If you think it is complicated, uh, a big overview, uh, 22 issues there covered in the Australian Christian Values Checklist. And as you say, Jenny, uh, some supporting uh, comments there at the bottom that just gives you some clarity there. Uh, Dan Flynn, when it comes to this coming election, here we are, it's Tuesday. People will be casting their vote on Saturday. What are you encouraging people to do in the lead-up to the election between now and then? Look, they've got to they've got to analyse each uh, candidate in their own electorate and in the upper house, and so um, uh, you know they need to analyse. Look, okay, I might have a Labor candidate, but what does he really stand for? Um, or a Liberal candidate, what do they stand for? And quite frankly, there are uh, some Liberal candidates who are who are not pro-life, uh, who um, are not supportive of a Christian worldview. Um, and on the other hand, there are some Labor candidates who do support a Christian worldview. So it does take a lot of research in your own electorate. Um, the other thing I would encourage people to do is to um, keep up the, the pressure on Daniel Andrews on this religious freedom issue. Um, we are plugging away. Over 4,000 people now have emailed Daniel Andrews and all his candidates uh, from a particular platform called School Freedom acl.org.au, that's resulted in over half a million emails because there's 140 ALP candidates. So uh, they're getting the message, uh, and as one uh, ALP candidate said at a forum uh, last week, look, uh, these emails that she's getting are very well-reasoned. People feel a lot of passion about this. Her own comment was, uh, look, I think that the ALP... Um, you know, they should consult again before bringing this in. So let's hope they do. Um, the ALP candidates are becoming increasingly uncomfortable about the uh, restriction on religious freedom that is part of 
ALP platform. Jenny Stokes, I can't remember an election where there was so many uh, big issues like this. Is this like a demonstration of the slippery slope and the way things get out of control when you forget about God or you deliberately turn your back on uh, truth and righteousness? Well, I think I think that's often the case. When people leave God out of the picture, they're only relying on their own uh, their own feelings, and often the the lobbying of the loudest voice. And I think that's what we're seeing in Victoria at the moment. Um, in particular, on on this religious freedom issue, it's um, you know the media release that Daniel Andrews, the Labor leader, put out on Saturday was quite stunning. Uh, we put out an email about it yesterday, highlighting what he actually said, but really was a whole list um, of all of the things that the Labor government would do if they were elected in homosexual rights, that they're actually going to have a whole whole of cabinet um, role for LGBTI issues. They're going to have a ministerial advisory committee. Um, they, they reiterated in that that they do same-sex adoption, that they're going to repeal the law uh, about deliberately infecting somebody with HIV, a whole range of things, including um, making it compulsory for every state high school to have... Um, the Safe Schools Coalition. So these were things that on Saturday, Daniel Andrews stood up and said. And one of the things he said in that email is he reiterated their position on this bona fide employment um, employment requirement for religious groups. Now, it didn't mention all of the, you know, Christian schools will have to employ people or whatever, but that's exactly what it meant. And he was reiterating that. So, you know, he's not really listening to the people. And Labor is actually, you know, standing up with a media release promising all of these things for the homosexual community. And Christians, I think, at this point in the in the game, four days before the election, they need to know what the parties stand for, what the positions are on these key issues, and make sure that when they vote, they actually vote according to what the parties say they're going to do. And that's why the Christian Values Checklist, the Family Voice Survey, those things are actually important so people can work that out. And, and the important thing is to know how the preferences are going to be distributed um, in the upper house. So each party has to distribute a group voting ticket, has to has lodged that. It shows how their preferences will be distributed. If you're going to vote above the line with a one, you need to know how the party is actually distributing their preferences so you know what's going to happen to your vote if your preferred candidates don't get in. If you vote below the line, you need to know what they all stand for in order to do that. And you should organise your preferences before you actually go to the ballot box, not on the day. We are running out of time quickly. Uh, A favourite saying that I've been saying a lot of recent elections uh, is that uh, somebody's morality is being legislated. Why not yours when it comes to being a Christian? Uh, Very quickly, Dan Flynn, uh, your encouragement to Christian voters to really make a difference with their vote this weekend. Oh, look, absolutely, um, and you're absolutely right in that statement, Neil. Um, the somebody's morality will be legislated, uh, and we can see uh, from exactly what Jenny has outlined there. There are two worldviews at play in this election. That's why it's attracting a lot of media attention uh, in the Christian media around the country because of this uh, this real conflict of worldviews. Uh, so, um, yeah, vote uh, and pray and. Uh, and share the word among your friends on these important issues. And I can encourage uh, a visit to the Salt Shakers website, the Australian Christian Lobby website, and also Family Voice Australia website. Uh, to you, Dan Flynn, uh, Victorian State Director for the ACL, and Jenny Stokes from Salt Shakers, thanks so much for being with us and sharing your insights with us today here on 2020.
Thank you very much, Neil. You're welcome, Neil. Like what you've just heard? There's more great podcasts. Or you can listen to us live at vision.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported. Your donation of any amount will help us continue connecting faith to life. Learn more or donate today at vision.org.au.